Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Don't even at me about it. Those of you that listen to me on the regular know that there's 8,627,000 diets, but I'm going a couple of things. No carbs, no alcohol. I'm day three into it. I'm already down six pounds, maybe seven, depending. Uh, so there you go. And the knees feel good. Yeah. Join me in our quest to be healthy so that we can live longer and prosper. Go forth and prosper, people. All right, let's get right into it. We got Mike Lombardi. I love talking to smart people. Mike Lombardi, former GM in the NFL, works at Vison, works for Marquee Network. There's a lot of stuff, and it's all good stuff. We'll get into Deshaun Watson, what's going to happen with him, who does he like in the AFC, who does he like in the NFC. We're going to get into all of that at 10 o'clock, and I can't wait. We also got a What the Hell Wednesday, which, hey, I don't know what to tell you. But people are nuts. Raccoons in stores. What are we doing? Why? 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 And more why. Uh, congressional candidates twerking and then, of course, saying it's racist that we come at her. The world is insane. And I'm here for it because I love it. But let's start, as we normally do, with headlines. All right. I want this very clear. I want to look at America and I want to tell you something. I don't care how somebody does in the NBA Summer League. I've broadcast the NBA Summer League. Meaningless. Oh, my God, did you see Chet Holmgren last night? No. No, I didn't. That's not the poo-poo the Summer League. People love the Summer League. The Summer League was fun to broadcast. Stayed at the MGM Park. Had an unbelievable run on the tables. Went over, did the games. It's like spring training. It is where, you know what, there's players that you recognize hanging around. It's great, wonderful, but it is meaningless. Chet Holmgren was great last night. Did you see him? No, I didn't see him because I don't care. Look, I always say this, and coaches always say this. Um, by the time you get to training camp, Actually, by the time you get to August 10th, you totally forget who did what in a summer league. Maybe a guy gets a contract off the summer league. I remember a few years ago, and this was telling, Zion Williamson showed up fat at summer league. Well, guess what? Zion Williamson's been fat his entire career now. Even though he's fat, he still signed an extension somehow, some way. But again, I digress, America's best, and I mean the best commissioner, a.k.a. the most woke commissioner, has set a league up where Zion Williamson's fat ass can get himself over 200 and some million dollars without even playing. It's lovely. I ain't mad at the players. I'm not. I'm mad at us fans. We support this crap. But I like the NBA. I do. I just don't tell me. I'm going to say it again. Don't tell me of the greatness of Chet Holmgren in the Summer League. Yes, he's talented. Look, did you not know that? Did you not know that Chet Holmgren was a talented kid? Like, 
there are dudes out there in the summer league that are busting it pretty hard. But most dudes nowadays don't understand something. When you get the opportunity to play against Chen Holmgren in the summer league, cool is for the club. I'm going to say that again. Cool is for the club. When you get a chance to record in front of 50 Cent, cool is for, is for the club. It's not for the court. When you get a chance to write in front of John Grisham, cool is for the club. You got to give everything you got. When you get a chance to broadcast on OutKick, cool is for the club. You got to bring it, baby. You got to bring it, and you got to bring it, and you got to bring it, and you got to bring it every single time. You may not get a second chance. So you're out there, and you're guarding Chet Holmgren. And he scores 22 points. He set a record for threes in a game. He set a record for blocks. Awesome. Fantastic. And there's a whole write-up on him. A whole write-up on Chet Holmgren. I say to myself, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Who's guarding him? Whoever's guarding him had one opportunity to show out. One. It should have been uh, slap blank Johnny stops Holmgren in summer league debut. I watched the clips. Dudes are just out there playing. The dudes that are guarding him are going to end up in some league in Guam. They are. They're going to end up in some league in Guam playing six days a week. There's going to be dogs on the court. There's going to be prostitutes in the hallways. I've been there. Not Guam, but Chile. I've been, I took a team to Chile. There were dogs on the court. There were hookers in the hallways. That's where, and there were Americans playing against us. You got one chance, people. You get after it. You get in the stance and you stop this guy. And if you can't stop him, you're in Guam. But I watched the dudes playing against him and like, is anybody going to try to stop this guy? Or is he just going to walk into threes? Is anybody going to try to stop this guy? Or is he just going to get comfortable? See, that's how I look at it. Holmgren can score. Of course he can score. He's the second pick in the draft. He's seven feet tall. But I'm just telling you, I don't care even a little bit about how a guy does in summer league. I saw a dude named like Lonnie Walker the ninth get like 38 in a summer league game. Oh, my God, Lonnie Walker the ninth is going to become a great player. Really? All right. He was like the second pick in the draft. I'm going to look up Lonnie Walker the fifth, the fourth, whatever the hell he is, the 20th. I don't know. He averaged 12 points a game on a bad team. Had 35. Oh, my God, he's the next star. Stop it, stupid. No. No summer league for me. I don't want to hear about it. I don't. I do want to hear about this. Max Scherzer. Look. Uh, Max Scherzer, let's go through this. Let, let, let's just go through this. Had an oblique strain. Two minor league rehabs. His dog bit him, which people tried to make a scandal. What happened with the dog? Did the dog really bite you, or was it something else? I think a dog bit him. At least he had to put out on Twitter, hey, no big deal, my dog bit me. And by the way, what's that thing on my face right here? I don't that's old man dots. I got old man dots. I don't like old man dots. I'm young. I'm spry. Let's go. But anyway, so Max Scherzer has is back, right? Dog bit him. 
two rehab stints. Maximilian is back. And here's the deal with Maximilian. All he does, six scoreless, 11 strikeouts, no walks. Like, nobody gets double-digit strikeouts and no walks anymore. And Max Scherzer looked great. First pitch strike, 17 of 21. You know what's interesting about baseball? What's interesting about baseball is whenever you talk to anybody that has any type of experience, pitching, coaching, minor league, whatever, in Major League Baseball, if they've been in the big leagues, the number one thing they tell you about pitching, throw strikes. I want a guy that can throw strikes. There's two things you got to be able to do. Get strike one and get strike three. Strike one, get a ball in pl- over the plate. And strike three is hard, right? Because most batters, I guess, used to anyway, you know, just put the ball in play. Now everybody swings for defenses, one, two, and three. But strike one and strike three is hard. Well, Max Scherzer last night had a bunch of guys flailing. Max Scherzer last night threw strike one on 17 of the 21 batters he faced first pitch. And then he struck out 11 of them. I don't know what to tell you, but that's pitching. That ain't throwing. That's pitching. Look, I think the Mets, for whatever the reason in my world, are the dullest team in baseball. For whatever the reason, I've never liked watching the Mets. Don't know why. The only time actually I liked watching the Mets, and this was 1984 when Doc Gooden was coming up, the Cubs were rolling, and they were in the same division. I remember the day I lost my pants in the water, in the waters of Lake Michigan. Uh, Me and Mo Mama, my girlfriend, were frolicking on the shores of Lake Michigan in the summertime. My radio was put to WGN. Cubs were playing the Mets in a big series. Cubs won. Somehow I came out of the ocean without pants. They were my Indiana All-Star shorts. Like, it's a great honor to make the Indiana All-Star team. Like, only 10 players make it. I made it. I always wanted to make it. I made it. I'm frolicking in the surf with Mo Mama, my girlfriend. No idea, and I'm not going to tell you how my pants came off, but they did, and they were gone in the surf, and I couldn't find them. That's the last time I cared about the Cubs and the Mets. 1984, I remember the day. Then I'm like, all right, the Cubs swept the series. They went on to get in the playoffs. The Mets went away. I haven't cared about them since. Although I must say, me and my buddy Bobby got in a hell of a fight walking back to my apartment the night the ball went through the legs of Bill Buckner. I do remember that. I was coaching at the time. I had to be a little careful. Some guys threw a bottle at us in Bloomington. My boy Bobby started scrapping with a couple guys. Then, of course, I jumped in. Then, of course, Moore jumped in. It didn't work out well for anybody, but we didn't come out too bad. It was about four or five on one. That's the last time I cared about the Mets. That's it. It was four or five on one, and I remember two of the guys ran away. I'll grab you in the package. I'll gouge the eyes. You know what I mean? I'll fight dirty. I'll never forget. We're just walking back. Here comes a bottle at Bob. Bobby was not having it. But anyway, that's the last time I cared about the Mets. I don't care about the Mets, but I like the fact that Scherzer was a bad boy last night. I do. Because starting pitching sucks in the big leagues, and Scherzer might just be one of those guys that goes, oh, I don't know, more than four and a third innings or whatever. These soft-ass, whiny-ass starting pitchers in Major League Baseball, they all suck, except for Scherzer. I like Scherzer. Scherzer, Scherzer, Max Scherzer. <laughs> uh, is Lori Lightfoot America's worst? Nonviolent crime division. 
Is Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, America's worst human being? She's actually incredible by her awfulness. In fact, she's so awful that she don't even know she's awful. She's such an idiot that she doesn't even know she's an idiot. She's the worst mayor ever, ever. I mean, crime is through the roof. There's nothing in Chicago right now that she has done that's of any value. Except, I guess, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. What has that woman done of any value except embarrass an entire city? Chicago is one of the great cities in the summertime, in the fall, in the spring. It's awful in the winter. It just is. You got the lake. But that woman makes it even more awful. And she's incredible because I don't think she has any idea of what she says. She, this is what happens when you get entitled people in office. And entitled people come in many forms. Entitled people can come, well, being rich, being white. Entitled people can come by being a woman, being a lesbian. Entitled people that have stat- can come in many, many forms. And when they are entitled and they believe in their entitlement, they do and say whatever the hell that they want. And this clown here, and yes, I said clown because I think she's an absolute clown show, an absolute blank show, a horrendous mayor, a horrendous human being. Let's play Lori Lightfoot from the other day, shall we? If we can. The toxicity in our public discourse is a thing that I think we should all be concerned about, right? And it's ironic, obviously, that we're having this conversation and what happened on Independence Day. You know, we're not like a lot of other countries where independence, their version of Independence Day is marked with, you know, uh, troops and tanks. And no, what we do in the United States is we come together as a community. If you read Clarence Thomas concurrence, he said, thank you, fuck Clarence Thomas. I don't know what to do with that. It's like, well, today I didn't say anything last week. So this idiot actually stands up there. And by the way, she speaks like, uh, speaks like a complete idiot. How did you all elect her? Like, there's got to be some kind of deal there that got her elected. There's no way the people that I know that live in Chicago would vote for that. But she's so stupid and entitled. Actually, it's not stupid. It's entitled. That she now says public discord has to stop. A week ago, it was F. Clarence Thomas on a stage and then posted a tweet that said, yeah, I said that. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. This is an elected official of one of the largest cities in the world, one of the most important cities in the world, that has a crime rate through the roof, that has a murder rate through the roof, that literally has dudes walking down the street carrying AKs, that has a police force that is leaving in droves because they don't believe in this clown. This clown gets up and gives us an F. Clarence Thomas not one week ago. And then tells the world 
that public discord has to change. Now, look, I'm all for if you want to say Clarence F. Clarence Thomas, if that's your thing. Like, it's not my thing, but if that's your thing, then good. The toxicity in our public discourse is a thing that I think we should all be concerned about. A week ago, this idiot said F. Clarence Thomas. So you think she's changed. I mean, I can hear it right now. Uh, I can hear it right now. If you defend this, you're dumber than her. She's just dumb. She's just an idiot. But if you defend that, you have to think about this. Be so one-sided in your stupidity that you somehow twist your little brain into agreeing with this. She also called for folks to take up arms against the Supreme Court. That's what she did. But there are no consequences because she's in a protected class. We all know that. She's protected. I mean, think of it. And she knows she's protected. So she knows she can say whatever she wants to say. I guarantee you, there are idiots on here that are not criticized. I guarantee I haven't been to the YouTube chat, but I guarantee you there are people so shallow, so embedded with their own party that would say, well, you don't understand, Doc. No, I don't understand. You're exactly right. I don't. It's amazing to me. It's actually infuriating that we just allow this stupidity to run a city that I love, that we allow this stupidity to go unchecked. And it is unchecked. Who cares what I say? You know, if this were in Indianapolis, our columnists would say, well, it's just a nice elderly woman saying things. That's what they would say in Indy. That's what your, your scared-to-death white newspapers would say. Well, you know, it's just a nice lady saying things. Or they would call, see, I knew it. Instead of, you know, I mispronounced a word. That's what we focus on. I love the YouTube chat. So if you elected her, you got what you deserve. You do. And yes, Chicago per capita is safer than Indy. But yes, we have an idiot mayor in Indy as well. We have a mayor that doesn't show. So if that's the answer, which it is on the YouTube chat, which makes me laugh, that's the answer. Well, it's safer. It's not that Lori Lightfoot's an idiot. It's not that Lori Lightfoot's embarrassing to her job. It's, you said toxicity wrong. That's our left right there. And I love you. I love you for it because I got to tell you, you all are so predictable. You just can't say, God, what an idiot. Salute. Yeah, our guy in Indy would say, well, you're racist if you criticize Lori Lightfoot, baby. I treat everybody the same. If you're an idiot, you're black, you're white, you're straight, you're lesbian, whatever you are, I treat you all the same. But, but, but you said toxicity wrong. Nick Garagos makes my ass sag. He's a tennis player. I've known guys like that forever. I've known guys like this clown forever. Forever. 
When you talk to them, they act all concerned, but they're deviant punks. So now this clown who is playing today uh, at Wimbledon is facing a charge of domestic abuse. Like, people love him because he's wacky, he's uber-talented. In basketball, we call these guys just good enough to get you fired. Uber, uber-talented. Mouthy as hell. But inside is complete chicken blank. Always the same. I watch him and I'm like, yeah, hey, he's on TV, he's this, he's that. But he's complete chicken blank. A gutless punk. That's what I see. And now this gutless punk has to go in front of a judge and say why or if he ended up assaulting his girlfriend. I don't know whether he did or not. I had no idea. None. Zero. Zip. Don't even matter to me. I see guys like this that act like idiots and have no respect for anything and yet are always the victim. I mean, always the victim. Every time I watch this dude, he's a victim. Every time I watch this guy, it's woe is me. It's everybody else's fault. He's a hell of a tennis player. Hell of a tennis player. I mean, the kind of tennis player that if he was not the way he is, if he had a real toughness to him, would be dominating the majors. And most of you don't even know him, other than when he acts like an idiot. All right? When he acts like an idiot, that's when you all know him. So he gets to go in front of a judge at some point, I don't know, at some point he goes in front of a judge and has to explain an assault charge by his girlfriend. Again, I don't know. I don't know whether he did anything. I got no idea. None, zip, zilch. But I do know this, not surprised at anything. Because guys like this, if you've coached at all, you see right through them immediately. I mean, you see right through these guys like it's your damn job and it used to be my job. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. This, I'll add this to the headlines because this just came out on OutKick. Uh, Brittany Griner's partner calls lack of response from President Biden disheartening. Really? Really? I call it not surprising. I call it, I don't even know if the dude could read. I call it, well, well, really? No kidding? I I thought he was the champion of everybody. I thought he was the champion, Biden and his crew was. Eesh. Never mind. I almost swear. Why are you disheartened? How did you not know? Like, if you really thought that this guy had any sack to do anything, that's kind of on you. I mean, it kind of is. You got to know that Biden is weak. You got to know that Biden has no sack. You got to know that Biden doesn't champion anything but Biden. And if you don't understand that, I can't help you. But again, our newspaper says he's just a nice old man. But Brittany Griner's partner after the letter, remember the letter Brittany Griner wrote? Her partner is now disheartened. I said it before, Whitlock said it, we all say it. Uh, Because of the popularity of Griner, 
not saying because he's such a great guy. Trump would have had her out. Trump would have had her out today, tomorrow, and the next day. Sherelle says it's very disheartening that she has not heard back from the White House. Well, really? Really? So, I mean, on one hand, is it the White House's fault? Voting matters. You know, Griner said she voted for Biden. Voting matters. I mean, you can blame the White House all you want. But there are some things going on in this country that have a little more cachet than a WNBA player. Now, I've said for months, I think Brittany Griner's getting, she needs out. But I got to tell you, I know the CBS Morning Show and other shows want to have this woman on and we're going to be victim. I get it. Victimhood sells. But there is a lot going on. There is. And you elected the wrong guy to help you in situations like this. Voting matters, people. Voting matters. If you've ever learned a lesson of anything, voting matters. Whether it's the Brittany Griner situation, gas prices, the economy. Hell, I looked at my retirement account yesterday. Wow. Voting matters. And if y'all are dumb enough to vote for somebody because you think he's a nice older man, then you're as dumb as any media writer in Indianapolis, which is plenty dumb. Pretty interesting. Man, does voting matter. I don't know. For 24 years, I ran a basketball camp in Gary, Indiana. Uh, Maryville, actually. Uh, it used to be called Gary Andrean High School. Now it's Andrean High School. 5959 Broadway. The 59ers, we were called. It's my high school. Love my high school because I love the people there. So anyway, at my high school, I ran this camp. And we had a lot of really good players come through. And I'm very proud. Like, unlike my partners, like my boys at ESPN, my boys at ESPN charge coaches like 300 bucks to work their camp. Not I. My camp, about 50, 60 bucks. Think we raised the price twice as costs got up in 24 years. I had some great players come through there. Ty, uh, the Heron Goaties, Luke and Ty. One of them became the all-time leading scorer and rebounder at Notre Dame. Brandon Brantley, three-time Big Ten champ. Darius Garland came through. His dad, Winston, played at Gary Roosevelt. He's a few years behind me. By the way, we always kicked Gary Roosevelt, you know. But anyway... Winston Garland brought his son. He was little. I think it was this son, Darius. Always liked Darius. Man, the kid was good, even little. It might have been another son. I don't know, but I think it was Darius. At least I'm going to say it's Darius because it's a better story. But anyway, Winston Garland played in the NBA. Winston Garland's an uber nice dude. Well, Winston Garland's son, Darius, from my basketball camp, I will say, became a 200 and $31 million man with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I couldn't be happier for him. Serious business. I couldn't be happier. He went to Vanderbilt. He didn't play, got hurt, and sat it out, understood that the NBA may be a little more important than playing at Vanderbilt, and it is the way the current system is set up. He goes to the Cavaliers, plays a couple years, terrific player, gets $231 million, Dollars and I could not be happier. 
I could not be happier. Good for Darius Garland. Good for Winston Garland. There you go. Yeah. By the way, back to Garagos. Uh, he made it clear he's not worried about the legal battle. He said, I feel like in the last dance. There you go. A reporter acted as Garagos. Is it funny to you then? And the dude went about his business. I'm telling you, I've known these guys forever. I have. I've known these guys for absolutely ever. You can tell them a mile away, baby. Garagos. Mile away. Anyway, uh, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that. So if I'm not, hey, what are you going to do? A um, couple of things. We're going to have Mike Lombardi coming up, and I can't wait. Cannot wait. Can't wait. I love talking to smart people about the NBA. We read so much stupid about the NBA, right? We read, I mean, the level of stupid is astounding from writers. Like, we had guys say it's a bad look for the Brooklyn Nets to trade or not trade Kevin Durant. We read so much stupid from the NFL media. I think it was Nick Wright that said, didn't local media used to keep the local team in check? Now the local media are cheerleaders for the local team. In Indianapolis, I mean to tell you, they are cheerleaders, big-time cheerleaders. In Indianapolis, every year we've got the greatest general manager. We're so lucky to have the coach that we have, a roster that's among the best in the AFC every year. Every year. When's the last time you fans out there of a team other than the Colts saw the Colts do anything in the playoffs? You haven't. That's why I like talking to guys like Mike Lombardi. He's at 10. When we come back, I got what the hell Wednesday, baby. Stay right here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, I got to tell you, I love What the Hell Wednesday. Um, the world is stupid. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, let's be honest. We're living in the dumbest of times. And a perfect example of that is Rhode Island State Senator Tierra Mack. Tierra Mack is a Democrat. She made this video encouraging people to vote for her. She also sponsored a bill teaching kids queer, inclusive, pleasure-based sex ed. Can we show the tweaking senator, please? That's what we got leading our country. That's what we got right there. Leading our country. That's how serious our government is. Yeah, vote for me, the twerking senator. 
uh, you guys are probably going to vote for. Now, there is a statement somewhere out here that says the, quote, trolls are coming for old Tierra because she is a black lesbian. No. 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 The trolls, and they're not trolls, they're people like me that are saying, how ridiculous are we? Like, is there no standard here of decency? Is there no standard for even our senators? Is there no, I mean, I'm not a prude, at least I don't think I am, but is there no standard for anything? I mean, I've always said this. I've always said, man, when you just let people, you know, act like idiots, they'll take every advantage. Pleasure-based queer sex education for children, for children. All right, for children. That's what we got. I don't know what to tell you. She'll win. I mean, it doesn't really matter that she's a twerking clown, which she is. I mean, you know, what do you want me to tell you? But she's going to win because that's how stupid we are. We don't have any, and I mean any, any sense of decency anymore. We're done, right? Do whatever you want. Who cares? Um, All right. But that's the level that we're at. That's the level that we're at in our Senate. All right. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Even people that say, I'm not here to judge anyone when it comes to modest appearance because I know how it feels for people to do that to me. But I'm absolutely 100% positive a United States senator twerking is not okay, especially as a representative of the people. It's dishonorable. Well, I don't know that they, I don't know that there is any honor anymore. I've always said this. The first group that didn't have to go basically fight in a war is my age. I've always said there was no draft, there was nothing, you know, my age. And I didn't want to. I remember when I had to go sign up at the post office a thousand years ago, and I'm like, holy crap, I don't want to do this. Because basically I'm a coward when it comes to shooting somebody or stabbing somebody. It's not my thing. But I'm not so sure that we're the softest. Like my generation raised that woman. My generation raised what's going on around now. We've raised these 20-something-year-olds that are entitled. I've always said it's not the kids, it's the parents. So now we twerk as a senator, and I'm sure you're called racist if you say that she, uh, well, is ridiculous. She also has an Ivy League degree. She has an Ivy League degree. And she says, I have an Ivy League degree, and I am a state senator. Hate to break it to you. Their decorum isn't for us. They can't respect us in a system designed to oppress us. Where's the oppression for her? You're you're a freaking senator. You got an Ivy League degree. You're twerking on a beach. I'd like to know for her, where's the oppression? But I'm sure at some point, that's racist. All right. 
Anthony Clark says, of course, uh, uh, people are more mad at a woman senator twerking than they are at male senators, justices, and presidents sexually assaulting. I don't think anybody's more mad about anything. I just think this is the next thing to be mad about. People don't understand that you can discuss something and still have feelings about something else. But I get it. Uh, Anthony Clark. Anthony Clark is, uh, you know, I don't know, a guy that's mad about stuff. Well, you can be mad about it and still comment on it, can't you? Or did I miss something? So we're twerking. That's what we do. This I love. This might be my favorite story of the year. The twerking senator is just an idiot. But this might be my favorite story of the entire year. So everybody's all upset. Oh, my God, I'm upset. I can't go to work. A guy that looks exactly like what you would think he would look like. That guy right there. White guy. I got a protest. A woke universal music group worker says he was fired. Good. For speaking up about abortion rights. After he admitted he refused to work because he was in mourning over the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. I want to know where I can support Universal Music Group. Mike Lopez, a production coordinator at Universal Music Enterprise, blasted the company as anti-gay for terminating a queer brown person during Pride Month for speaking up in defense of abortion rights on LinkedIn. So he is brown, so he shouldn't be fired for not showing up at work? I think if I, like yesterday, I got to take August 3rd off. Man, I made sure I asked everybody. Uh, And during Pride Month at that. So Pride Month gives you carte blanche. I think July is bald month. I can do anything I want. I declare this bald month. You can't fire me during bald month. Last Friday, like countless of other folks, I was devastated by the news of the Supreme Court's attack on abortion rights. Paired with the flood of anti-queer and anti-trans legislation, it's been hard to process how companies expect us to be productive while our rights are being stripped away. Somehow abortion rights became... Look, nobody expects you to be productive. You're done. If you can't be productive, go work somewhere else. Uh, He went on to explain... One of my tasks was to process reports for upcoming releases and then to email his work to 275 people. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 150, 100, 200, 300, uh, 270, 275. Oh my God, I pressed send 275 times. Instead of doing his usual process, he wrote in an email that read, I didn't do them today. I'm in mourning due to the attack on people with uteruses. In the U.S. federally federally guaranteed access to abortion is gone. All right. Then he made demands, right? And they fired him. Adios. I was being let go, not doing your job, disrupting the day of 275 people in poor judgment. Nice. Adios. 
Goodbye. That is, that's an easy one. It ain't just you. Uh, it, it isn't just you. It's always you. Bill Maher said it. Hey, look, LGBTQ, it's not always about you. It's not. Bill Maher said it perfectly. It's not always about you. You got 275 people. You got a company that's counting on its workers to do their job. It's not always about you. That's impossible for people to understand, right? Oh, it's always got to be about me, particularly in Pride Month. Yeah, today's Bald Month. Seriously. Why is it always about you? Why? I don't know. Like Michael Moore, he's going to give up some privileges. Okay. That's cool. (laughs) It amazes me. You got 275 people with this guy that are relying on emails. You got a company that's working. You got a company that's flowing, a company trying to make money, make it in the worst economy we've seen in a million years. And this guy goes to all of it. Brown person, gay, lesbian person, pride month. Goes to all of it. Women's right. He tried to be a victim on everything. I hope they keep his ass fired. I wouldn't hire the guy. You crazy? I'm trying to run a company here. It ain't always about you. No matter what, LGBT, whatever. It ain't always about bald guys. It ain't always about red shirt guys. It ain't always about heterosexual guys. It ain't always about men. It ain't always about women. When you're working for a company, it's about the company. I don't know how that's so hard to understand. So good, you got your ass fired. Go home and cry. That's my favorite story. It is. You know, there are classes on how to deal with millennials. Good. He went to everything, man. He went to everything. Uh, This is an interesting story. So the mayor of New York, like the mayor of Chicago, has been a complete train wreck. I mean, a complete and utter train wreck. Like, He doesn't know his ass from third base. Cops are quitting because he's an idiot. Uh, People are leaving the city. I mean, he could not be more of a train wreck. All right? Well, one of his aides was out searching for where he should do a, a, I guess, a photo shoot or a press conference in broad daylight. In broad daylight, he was scouting a location for an event. Okay, no problem. I'm in broad daylight. I'm the mayor's aide. I'm looking for a location. Guess what? He got mugged. He got mugged. Broad daylight Thursday. He was in Brooklyn. That's right. He's walking around Brooklyn. He told the guy, the muggers, you don't want to do this. I work for the mayor. Next thing you know, one of the crooks lifted up his shirt, showed him a gun. They didn't care. He refused to turn over his wallet and cell phone. They knocked him to the ground, after which they grabbed the items and fled. One of the muggers was described as a black male wearing a blue and white sweatshirt, which highlighted from a scene on the city bike, who who hightailed it. They got on a city bike. The other suspect, black male wearing sunglasses and a blue mask. 10.30 in the morning on a traffic island 
at the intersection of Navy and York. How about that? So you're on a traffic island. This is how bad our cities are. But we'll keep electing uh, Democrats, baby. We'll keep electing them. Yeah. Let's do it. Listen to this. Major crimes up 38% compared to last year. Robberies rising 39% in New York City. Yeah. The mayor, Eric Adams, declined to comment. This is what's going on in our cities. Hey, you can't even throw out the I work for the mayor card anymore in this country, in New York. Keep elected. Charles Barkley said it best. I'm not going to repeat it, but Charles Barkley absolutely said it best. Well, you know, Dan, I I can hear my guys. Well, you know, Dan, that could happen in any city. Yeah, I don't know, man, but it seems to be happening in New York. It seems to be happening where a lot of Democratic mayors are. All right, this is kind of funny. So the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. Great. The Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, and as many of you know, the Stanley Cup gets to go to a member of the team slash administration slash training staff coaches for a day. All right. There's a couple. Kit Karbler and Dimitri Rubinko. They're just sitting at their homes in Hilltop. It's a Hilltop neighborhood in Denver, minding their own business. Next thing you know, they get a delivery. They get a delivery. It's about, I don't know, Three foot, three feet high. They go outside. Next thing you know, it was like finding a treasure. It was the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup was delivered to the wrong address. How about that? The Hall of Fame keeper of the cup, Philip Pritchard, said, hey, they delivered it to the wrong place. They were supposed to deliver it to Gabrielle Langsgork. He lives in the same neighborhood with a similar address. He was the captain of the avalanche. So he, it was supposed to be delivered. And next thing you know, these folks go outside and there's a Stanley Cup. You know, that actually kind of sort of happened to me one time. We were in Chicago. My buddy Wingy and I, a bunch of guys, we were playing golf, went to Wrigley Field, stayed out late, got back to the hotel. We were staying on a place on Rush Street. We got up, we got back to the hotel. I don't know, it was like one or two, one o'clock or so in the morning. We were hungry. We were walking down Rush Street going to get a slice of pizza. All of a sudden, coming across the street is an entourage with the Stanley Cup. They go into Carmine's, an Italian restaurant in the Viagra Triangle. So what do we and my boy Wingy do? We join right in. We're in a private party with the cup. Turns out, now this goes way back, the New Jersey Devils trainer, had the cup for a day, and he was parading it down Rush Street. So we're in this little tenant area right next to Carmine's. And what are we doing? We're take- we are We didn't have camera phones then, so I don't- somebody had a camera, and somewhere there is pictures of me with a cup. Somewhere there's a lot of pictures of me doing a lot worse than the cup, but I digress. Anyway... So I'm standing there with the cup. They wouldn't let us drink out of it, and that stunned me. I wanted to put a beer in there, and have, but we hung out with the cup. People were not very nice. I think they realized that myself and my boy Wingy, oh, I don't know, 
probably didn't belong as we didn't know anybody. Somebody asked Wingy, uh, who are you guys here with? And we said the groom. <laughs> I mean, usually when you crash a wedding, which is what we did at Serbian Hall in Gary on 45th, we would say the bride or the groom, depending on if we knew anybody in either party. So we just said the groom. And they're like, the groom? Yeah, yeah, we're with the groom. Nobody asked us any more questions. We hung out with a cup. So this family uh, arrived in a case. It wasn't meant for them. But you know what? You're an abs fan. You walk outside and there's a cup. What the hell? You know, I, for one, I don't know how you feel. And I know I'm not allowed to say this. I know I'm not. I know we're not allowed to say this. But I, for one, have had enough of dogs in restaurants, dogs in hotels, dogs in airports, everywhere I freaking look a dog. Well, it's my service dog. It's my sadness dog. Blah, 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 blah. Dogs are everywhere. I've had enough. Nothing I can do about it. You know, I got to, I got to, uh, Grin and bear it, right? I mean, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can say. I mean, you know, dogs run the world. My pet has, my, excuse me, my child has four legs. I saw on a bumper sticker outside of Sunday's ice cream place down the street. My child has four legs. It's not a child. It's a dog. So in New York, why is it always New York? New York or Florida, right? It's insane. In New York, a man and a woman face fines of $500 each after they took a raccoon, a raccoon. A raccoon. To a pet store to shop for pets and food. A store worker ratted him out. The Department of Environmental Conservation got a call. An urgent call from the Erie County Department of Health about a potentially rabid raccoon. The health department said, listen to this. I mean, what are we doing? The health department said a couple had brought a raccoon to a pet store for food and supplies, and the store employee contacted authorities. Raccoons are considered dangerous, wild animals. They're known to carry and transmit, transmit rabies. So let's think about how selfish these people are. Oh, we got this raccoon. Again, it's not always about you. It isn't. It's not always about you. We're going to bring this raccoon to the store because we want to be cool and feed this wild, rabid animal. We don't care about the store workers. We don't care about people in a parking lot. We don't care about people in the store. We don't care about people outside the store. We care about us, Lee. Why is it always about you? Lee, somebody brought a raccoon into a pet store. Is there a pet raccoon? No, they caught a raccoon. Who cares? There's no such thing as a pet raccoon. Why is it, Lee, why, you know it's only about me. Why are people thinking it's only about them? Right. It can't be both ways. It's either you or them. Thank you. Can't be both ways. The raccoon was confiscated from the couple, was killed, tested for rabies, you know, and the test was negative. But I don't get it. 
you got one idiot that gets fired because he's so sad about Roe versus Wade, and then he throws everything at you because it's all about him. It isn't about, you know, the company. And now you got these clowns. What if this raccoon decided, I don't know, to get loose and go bite somebody? Well, it wouldn't if it was on a leash. Really? Should have bit them. Should have bit them and should have said, well, you know, you know who I was. I'm a raccoon. Of course I'm going to bite you. I bite people if they act like idiots. Most raccoons are scared of people. The level of stupid is unbelievable. You know, it really is. And I'm here to help. Now, Dan, you've spent all day calling people stupid. Yes. Dan, you've spent all day talking about, yes. Uh, there is one other one that I got sent this morning. And I got to tell you, um, Daddy's Dogs offers snips for shake deal. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm all in on whatever anybody wants to do if you can get a milkshake out of it. I'm all in on whatever anybody wants to do. Hey, listen to this. A Nashville, Dylan, hot dog spot, Daddy's Dogs offering customers a unique incentive for a form of birth control. Get a vasectomy, get a vasectomy earn a free milkshake. It's called Snip for shake, and it was inspired by, re- by the recent Supreme Court decision. Any man who provides a doctor's note confirming a vasectomy can get in on the offer, according to co-owner Big Daddy. So Big Daddy says this, the world's a pretty crazy place right now. We just think giving a free milkshake to men who've gotten their balls snipped is the right thing to do. I got my balls snipped. I told you this. I got him snipped by Dr. Richard Tapper. That's right, Dr. Dick Tapper. Shakes come in vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. Crunchy items can be added. Good for him. Good for them. Tell you who would be smart. Should give away free frozen peas. I don't know how many of you out there got snipped, but man, when you do, frozen peas work magic. I got snipped, and I was smart enough to get snipped during the U.S. Open golf tournament. I did. I got snipped during the U.S. Open golf tournament. I sat there on the couch. Urban Meyer's wife, Shelly, brought me over word search puzzle books. (laughs) And I did word search puzzle books. Yeah, I did. That's right. I did word search. I was watching the U.S. Open. It's a pretty good weekend. I think I gained 722 pounds. I'd take a shake. I ain't mad at a shake. Who's not mad at a shake? I like a shake. But anyway, I got to tell you, I love What the Hell Wednesdays. Now, do yourself a favor. I'm just saying, do yourself a favor. There's no reason to bring a raccoon into a store. Do you remember, what was those two guys' name? Not Captain and Tennille, the lion dudes out there in Vegas. Like, they got bit by their own damn lions. Because wild animals will bite you. Tigers, I guess it is. Siegfried and Roy. Look, they lived with them, they hugged them, they loved them, they fed them, they raised them, they did everything for them. And yet wild animals are wild animals. 
Let's treat wild animals like they are. Wild animals, stay the hell away. I'll give you a story. A part of me being a great American hero, not only have I rescued two people from cars, I rescued a deer right out here. It was down. It was in this little creek that's by our house. Bugs were on it. It had broken legs. Don't know what happened. What did I do? Didn't want to do it because I respect animals. Did not want to do it. But the truth of the matter is animals scare me. So I picked up this deer. I got a big blanket. And I picked up this deer, and we put it in a big box, and we called animal whatever, the CDC. I don't even know. Whatever it is. All right? Whatever it is. I don't know. But we called them. They came out, and they rescued the poor little fawn. Is it a fawn? I don't know. But I know this. I'm a great American hero. I'm afraid of animals. Uh, Chris Sullivan says, I have a pet alligator. Chris Sullivan, I love you. Thank you for listening, but you're an idiot. Hey, Dan, how about you spend $5 on an ice pack? No, 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 no. Frozen peas are much better because they're adjustable. They move. My vasectomy got infected because I went and spoke at a basketball camp. Not my greatest day. Dan, can we talk about cross-dressing mass shooters? And people think that guy was a conservative. That's the big debate. The debate isn't what political party it is. Is The debate is how did this guy get the way that he is. It's not whether he's a conservative or whether he's a liberal. That's stupid. How did he get the way he is? And let's figure this whole thing out. I told you I love talking to smart people about football. One of the smartest is Mike Lombardi. We're going to talk to Mike Lombardi when we come back, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. See, I love talking to smart people. I do. I love talking to smart people. I love talking to people that know the game. My next guest... My next guest has worked for Bill Walsh, L. Davis, Bill Belichick, been a general manager, works for Vissen now in the media. He is, I think, the best follower you're going to find, Lombardi NFL. Mike Lombardi joins us now. My man, how are you? Yes, sir. I am great, Dan. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah. Hey, let's get through this. I, I say this all the time, Mike. When I look at college basketball, I think and I listen to commentary, I say to myself, people really don't know Jack squat. It's got to frustrate the hell out of you by what is said about the NFL by guys on television and in the media that don't know their ass from third base. Well, I, you know, football is a different game than basketball in the sense that when you play basketball and you're a basketball player, you've played offense and defense.
Did I lose Mike? Dylan, did we lose Mike or did you lose me? What's going What's going on? Uh-oh. I don't know. Somebody get in my ear and tell me what's going on because I want to hear Mike. I like Mike. We've, we've got you. We just lost Mike. Oh, okay. We'll try to get Mike back. But I'm telling I'm here, you, man, I'm Mike here. Lombardi. I'm oh, good. That's oh, all right. Uh, go ahead. You were saying football and basketball are different. You play offense, defense in football or in basketball. Right. And so in football, you only play one side of the ball. And so because of that, it, it becomes a little bit difficult to know the entire game quarterbacks know the entire game they know the coverages when you watch an nfl game it's infrequent that the that the coverages that are being described are really the actual coverages and players are getting blamed for being in man-to-man when they're not and then the other element is how it all incorporates into team building you know unless you've been in a draft room unless you understand how to build a team how these things go together are, are often difficult to understand so I, I think there's a lot missing to the game. That's what I wrote about in Gridiron Genius. You know, for example, you know, when you, when you look at a play clock in football, right, and you see 13 seconds left to go and you're Sean McDermott and you've got to win the game, you're really only thinking about three plays. It's not 13 seconds. The clock tells you how many plays are left. And so when you decide to kick the ball through the end zone, you've just given Patrick Mahomes one more play. And I think that's those are the kind of things that we need to talk about. Mike, those are the most important things in the game, in my opinion, right? I mean, I remember a few years ago the Colts hired Jim Trestle just to kind of sit in the in the booth and be a game managed guy. Those things are huge in football. They cost you going to the Super Bowl. No doubt. I mean, look, Zach Taylor decided his coach comes up to him, not disgusted at all. I mean, this is the, probably the most critical point of a Super Bowl. In fact, it could have separated us, Cincinnati, from winning the Super Bowl. They could have gone to overtime. They had the best kicker in football and Evan McPherson. He was making everything. So the coach comes up to him and says, do you, want, do you want to put Joe Mixon on the field? And, of course, Zach says no. Now, nobody really criticizes Zach about this. I do because, to me, that's a huge critical error. At the end of games, Dan, you want your best players to get the ball. You want your best players to play their best at the end of the game. And to have Sammy Perjain trying to run the ball in there instead of Joe Mixon, it kills you. And so he doesn't pick up the first down. They don't convert the fourth down, and all of a sudden everybody says, well, the Rams win. No, I thought the Bengals lost it. You know, it's interesting. Tom Moore and Bill Polian both told me, end of the game, it's players, not plays. To your point. No doubt. I mean, look, when, when, when they scored to go ahead by three, Zach Taylor should have, done an NBA, should have done a college basketball or an NBA thing. He should have called together his offensive staff and players and said, look, there is X amount of plays left to go in this game. I want the ball. Go into our players make sure everybody understands what we're doing. No mental mistakes from this point on. We're going to get a field goal. We'll get the same overtime. We'll win the game. They didn't do it. Mike, um, one of the most interesting plays of the entire year, and I'm curious your thought on this and how much one play can influence a game. Uh, Ten-point lead, San Francisco in the lead. Stafford throws the ball in the middle of the field. The kid dart under 10 minutes to go, the safety, has the ball in his hands, drops it. 
How much, if that kid makes that catch, right, and you're probably going to win, your win percentage probably goes up to like 80%, maybe more. One play makes such a difference in so many people's lives, Mike. No doubt. And, and that play, I mean, go back to when the Niners lost the Super Bowl to Kansas City. Third and 15, San Francisco's defense on the field. Third and 15. They let Mahomes get out of the pocket. He throws across his body to Tyreek Hill for a first down. Third and 10 in the red zone. They get a pass interference call. That 10-point lead that they held at that point evaporated. Now, everybody blames Jimmy Garoppolo for it, and certainly Jimmy made some bad decisions, but nobody blames Robert Salai and the defense for not coming through when they needed to. It's the same thing. you got to make those plays. That's what separates winners and losers. Mike, let me go to what's going to maybe transpire this year. What's going to happen in your mind with Deshaun Watson? I, I think there. I think it's got to be a year settled. I think it's got to be at least a year. I think the league is trying hard to do that, and the players' association, which represents Deshaun as 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 part of as he's part of their union, they're trying to get nothing. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the interpretation of the text, like any decision that we find in America. It's all based on the determin the, the the determination of the text that's been written based on the personal conduct rule. My sense of it is the NFL will be forced to compromise. I think this is at least a 10-game suspension. Mike, does the NFL – when I first heard this, something interesting, I heard, okay, they want a year, but they want an indefinite suspension, a year banned. I read that as the NFL saying, look, we want – to be able to react if there are more cases brought forward. You see what I'm saying here? Yeah, they have opened the door. And I don't think they can really close the door. Now, you know, I, I think they've got to – they have – they should have more evidence than anybody, right? Just like the Cleveland Browns, Dan, should have more evidence than everybody. I mean, the first rule of scouting, the number one rule of scouting, is to know more about the player before you acquire him than after you acquire him. That's the first rule of scouting. And so when you don't know this and you're the Browns operating with your hands up in the air saying, well, we just didn't know, you didn't really do a good job. Everybody that I talked to was involved in the sweepstakes for Deshaun, they had a sense of this. And that's the reason they decided not to go ahead and guarantee $240 million. I mean, this was all just a bidding war. It was not about where he wanted to play. Whoever was going to give Watson the 240 completely guaranteed was going to get it. And the Browns did. Should the Browns be held accountable for anything, or are they separate? Is that separate? Well, I mean, you know, look, it's 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 a separate entity. I mean, you know, they they got to be held accountable if this kid gets suspended for a year and there's more cases come in for negligence. I mean, then their fan base is going to have to deal with that, which has occurred a lot since the Browns have come back in 1999. I mean, some of the mistakes that they've made have have cost the franchise. I mean, look, it's it's kind of ironic, right? They had a chance to draft Deshaun Watson with the 12th pick. They're the team that traded the 12th pick to Houston to allow them to draft him. Why? Because at that time, Sashi Brown and the analytical department of the Cleveland Browns didn't think Deshaun Watson was worthy of the 12th pick in the draft. I believe that to be a mistake, Mike, at least uh, for the first few years. What's going to happen with Baker Mayfield? What, where, where? I've said this. I'm going I'm to throw this out to you. I said Baker Mayfield, if he wants to resurrect his career, you know, should be the good soldier, show up, do the things, and maybe you get another chance. Maybe it doesn't happen with the Browns, but if I'm Carolina, I want to see Baker Mayfield 
act in good faith as opposed to being a guy sitting on a couch doing podcasts. What's your take on Mayfield? Well, I think the Browns and the, and the Panthers have a deal. I've, I've reported this on my podcast, the GM Shuffle, and they, they have a deal in place. And the Browns are going to pay about $10 million of Baker's salary, and the Panthers will pay about $5 million of his salary. There's a $3 million void. There's a gap. Now, who's going to pay that $3 million? I don't believe. I think Ian Rappaport reported it yesterday. I've been saying it all along. I don't believe that Seattle is really engaged in this. So there's one suitor for his services. And to me, if you're Baker Mayfield and you're his agent, you've got to decide, look, if I can get that $3 million back in incentives, it's more important to get my career going than it is to worry about whether I'm going to get the $3 million. If you can get it back in incentives and you know if you could start and play, you'll get it. Why not do it? I think ultimately this is all about money, which it often is, always is, and leverage. Who has leverage? Does Baker Mayfield have any leverage in this whatsoever? None. I think the, the Panthers are the only team with the leverage because they're the only team, I think, in the bidding war. They're the only team. The Browns gave up leverage the minute they signed that $240 million contract with Watson. Mike, when you look at Carson Wentz, what do you see? I see a guy that in 2017 could have been the MVP if he doesn't get hurt, and I see a guy that has been indifferent since. I mean, he's not endearing to his teammates. You know, he makes critical mistakes at critical points in the game. Will he play well against the lesser competition? No doubt. But when he's got to play against good teams, he makes really bad decisions. And for some reason, he wants to throw the ball left-handed at the most inopportune times. I mean, at some point, you've got to be a leader. And, and what we've seen out of Wentz, since the 17th season is he's not been able to cultivate a teammate that believe in him and think he can come through with this. I don't know what happens in the locker room, but I know if Indianapolis was as reticent to run him out as they did after giving up as much as they did, and Frank Wright standing on the table two years in a row. I want Phillip Rivers, they gave it to him. I want Carson Wentz, they gave it to him. And they ran Wentz out after a year. It tells you there's a huge problem there. Mike, I, I've said this, like, I'm like, wait a second, and yet, and again, I don't know where people stand, I don't know, it may be your best friend, but I'm going to say, I, I, I don't understand how my guy, uh, Chris Ballard, is considered the greatest GM in the league, I mean, at some point, don't you have to, I don't know, make the playoffs? <laughs> I don't, I almost get the impression well, that perception is better than reality here. Well, I think if you know Chris really well, I think Chris would say that, that he would agree with you. I think he, he understands he's got a high standard. He he's does. Got to meet, which, I think, which I think he knows that, and I think they have to d demonstrate. I mean, the fact to lose those two games down the stretch, you know, Wentz doesn't practice all week long because of COVID against the Raiders and really makes some bad decisions. And then against Jacksonville, inexcusable. But as much as anything, I mean, the Eberflus defense in Jacksonville, I don't know how – Eberflus was able to convince somebody to be, make him a head coach if they just watched the Jacksonville game, the last game of the year, with everything on the line. So I think there's a lot of moving parts in Indianapolis. Certainly could they improve their talent? No doubt. No doubt they could. I think they're trying to manage the quarterback situation as best they can. And look, you know, they got hit with luck res retiring, which I don't think they expected and haven't been able to recover quite yet. Mike, you can't see me. But when you said that about Eberflus, I threw up my hands like, thank God. 
Like I, I, we sat here in Indy and we're like, wait a second, how does this become a head coach? I, I'm all for it and we're all for it because I've got my friends and I don't know your, you know, Rick Venturi tells me, look, it's a major upgrade with Gus Bradley coming in as a defensive coordinator. Do you feel that way? Well, you know, look, I love the Dr. Rick Venturi. I was with him in Cleveland. He's one of the brightest human beings in terms of football knowledge you could have. He's exactly right. And the fact that, you know, what you have to understand about the National Football League, becoming a head coach is an elected position, not a selected position. you got to get elected. And Iberflus is very good media-wise. He can carry the Southern primaries. He can win the Polarate. He can go and got, dominate the convention. And he got himself an interview and he got himself a job. Now, you got to sit there and say, how? I don't know. I mean, look, Matt LaFleur got the head coaching job of the Green Bay Packers. He went 3-13. and 13. He, he couldn't move the ball with the Tennessee Titans. You know, in one game, he went 0-10 for 10 against the Baltimore Ravens on third down. And yet now he's the head coach of the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, and everybody says he's the greatest coach. Pro Football Focus thinks he's the best coach in football. Let's see what happens if he didn't have that. Let's see what happens if he did. The worst special teams in all of football last year never fixed it all during the season, but yet he's supposed to be the best head coach. Isn't the head coach supposed to be in charge of all three things? Mike, who do you like? Who do you think is – let's take Belichick out of it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't. But who do you think? Like, if you were going to hire of current head coaches, what would be the little list that you had in your top drawer? I mean, look, Mike Tomlin won. He made the playoffs. Now, I understand it was a bad year. But to go to the playoffs with Ben Roethlisberger can't throw the ball more than five yards down the field with a bad offensive line. And for him to get that team to the playoffs and fight through it, I mean, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. You know, nobody talks ill of Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera's had three winning seasons in 11 years as a head coach. Mike Tomlin's never had a bad year. I mean, Mike Tomlin's outstanding, you know, and, and he brings it every single year. I mean, and he does it. You don't you, you look at the Steelers' talent level last year particularly, and you say, how can they win? How could they possibly do it? And yet, for some reason, he's able to motivate. He's able to generate the, the passion that his players need, and they play really effectively. So, you know, he's on everybody's shortlist. I think, you know, he's certainly one of the top five coaches. I mean, Andy Reid in Kansas City has proven over a test of time that he's been able to, to win games and make the quarterback position even more effective. I mean, Sean McVay's been to two playoff games. I mean, Pro Football Focus had Sean McVay as the 11th best head coach in football. I mean, he's been to the two Super Bowl twice in the last two years with different quarterbacks. I don't know what it qualifies to get on their list, but to me, I think the evaluation of a head coach is a little bit hard if you don't understand what the head coach actually does. Boy, I agree with that. How will Mahomes be affected with no Tyreek Hill? That great question, Dan. I mean, look, you know, we let let's have a conversation that nobody wants to have. Mahomes didn't play good last year. Nobody wants to talk about it, but he didn't play good. Right. You know, he didn't. He was not. He didn't play good at all. I mean, he was part of the problem. He wasn't the solution. You know, everybody wants to blame everything else around him. He didn't play well. He's got to play better. Do I think he can play better? Without a doubt. Now, how is it going to work without Tyreek Hill? I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on Kelsey. Because when you went to go play them, you had a double hill every single snap, every play. You had to make sure somebody was jamming them, somebody was cut, taking some of the steam off of them, and you had somebody on top. That's why they were getting so much of that deep secondary, deep safety play, because they didn't want to give up a one-play touchdown. They wanted Mahomes and the Chiefs offense to put together 12 good plays. Sometimes they don't do that. I think it's going to be challenging. Now, Andy Reid's really good at adapting his offense, but I think what's going to happen in week five or six is people are going to figure out what he did, and then they're going to make the adaptation and see what he does after that. Mahomes has to play better. 
He did not, and I think that was probably the biggest reason. Look, the last three passes he threw during the 2022 se- during the 2021 season against Cincinnati were the three worst passes I've ever seen him make in his entire career. You know, it's funny. You get to a point where you're above criticism, and I, I think what you're talking about, Mahomes, is that. What do we expect or what, what should be expected second year out of Trevor Lawrence? Well, I mean, I think it was just a, a, a difficult year. With, with He got no coaching last year at all, and, and I think this year he will. And I think they didn't really utilize the skill set. The offensive line was not very good. I mean, when you watched Trevor Lawrence, every single throw was a different throw. You know, he was like a golfer who had different swings for every single every single swing. you got to be grooved as a quarterback. Every throw is going to look the same, the mechanics, the footwork, all those things. That didn't happen. I think this will be a huge step up. I think Peterson will come in and try to set the offense to, to where they can build on their strength. The line will be better. The receiving core is going to be a little bit better. He's got to make a vast improvement. I thought he was a can't-miss guy. Last year he looked like he wasn't a can't-miss guy. He's got to improve, and I think – he realizes it, but look, we all know this. No matter how good of a player you are, if you don't get great coaching, I mean, Bart Starr sat on the bench for two years until Vince Lombardi showed up in 59. You know, so it doesn't really matter until you get the right coach. Mike, did you like this draft? I like every draft. You know, I think, you know, to me, Bill Walsh <laughs> used to say to us all the time in the draft room, we don't need, we don't need to make everybody happy. We just need to make ourselves happy. And I think that's ultimately how you have to view drafts. I mean, the, the depth of the draft isn't as important as making sure you get the right players. Mike, um, by the way, uh, GM Shuffle, tremendous, tremendous podcast. You, you can hear Mike. All right, a lot of people saying, hey, look, the AFC, you got to beat the Buffalo Bills. You think they're the best? Well, I think they're really good, but I think the AFC West is really good, too. Look, the, the way you look at schedules, Dan, and the way you look at teams is who's, on court, who's the quarterback. And right now the AFC has more dominant quarterbacks. I mean, just in the AFC West, you've got Herbert, you've got Carr, you've got Mahomes, you, you know, and, and you've got all these good players out there that makes it very challenging to, to, to win. And so you, then you go into Cincinnati and you've got Burrow. You know, and you got Lamar Jackson in the north, you know, and then, you you know, in the south, you got, I mean, I know Tannehill's not a great player, but they're able to win with their defense in the running game in Tennessee. A lot of good teams, a lot of good teams there. I, I think it's really going to be a challenge. And with Russell Wilson now in Denver, the whole entire west has got four good quarterbacks. So, look, it, there's going to be a good team, probably a team that would make the playoffs in the NFC that's going to be watching come January. What about Buff? What about Baltimore? Like I, I'm in love with Lamar Jackson. I know he's banged up. I know there's a contract there, but is Lamar Jackson one of those guys that's destined to be hurt constantly? I don't think so. I, I really have a problem with what they do offensively. When you go back and watch Louisville with Lamar Jackson, he was under center quite a bit, and I think oftentimes we see these running quarterbacks as needing to be in shotgun. And the best way to really affect the defense is to be under center, run play action, hard handoffs, boot him out, get him in the perimeter, let it allow him. One of the weaknesses of Lamar's game has been his inability to throw the ball outside the numbers, down the field, outside the numbers. That's really where he's very good throwing the ball inside the numbers in the middle of the field. That's why Mark Andrews has so many catches and the averages per catch is so high and his catch and his catch percentage, which is a critical stat you must look at in football. His catch percentage is so good. But outside the numbers, Lamar has struggled. And I think they've got to do a better job 
organizationally, offensively, to move him in the pocket. And that would help getting him under center. Running the Baker Mayfield offense in Cleveland or the Gary or the Mike Shanahan offense that Kyle runs in, in San Francisco, I think certainly would help him a lot. Hey, Mike, I got to ask you, um, because I've always been fascinated by him, what, 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 in person, on a day-to-day basis, what was Bill Walsh like? You know, uh, very, uh, very methodical, very interesting. He was divergent in thought. He always saw things differently than most. I wouldn't say it was contrarian. He just was always willing to look at a solution in a different light. You know, it's what we call second-order thinking. Most people see a, a problem as A or B as the answer, and yet Walsh was able to find C, D, E, and F and his ability to trust his instincts on coaching the quarterback. Walsh was what I think every great coach has to have, is the ability to build confidence without evidence. I mean, think about this now. Bill Walsh went to San Francisco. His first two years were a disaster. His third year, he won the Super Bowl. But his first two years, he built confidence without evidence. And that's a hard thing for coaches to do. But how do you do that? You do it with incredible knowledge of the game in every aspect. How about the Lombardi line, baby? How are we doing with that? We're doing good. I mean, VEASAN is, you know, VEASAN, our, uh, the, the host network, it's on 12 to 2 every single day. You can catch us on iHeartRadio. It, it's great because, look, it, it, it's been wonderful for me, Dad, because in my profession in football, I basically what I did is break down teams. That's what I did. When you're a general manager in football, you're breaking down teams, strong points, weak points, where are their deficiencies. As a handicapper, that's all you're doing, too. I've never made a bet in my life, nor will I ever make a bet. I'm not interested, but I love breaking down teams. And I get to talk about football without having to be in 30-second sound bites, and we go to commercial. Mike, what's a, before I let you go, I'm just fascinated by this. What's a day in the life in season of an NFL general manager? In season. Well, in season, it's all about your team, right? you got to control what you can control. So, you know, Monday after the game, you're studying your team, you're studying the opponent you played, you're studying the matchups, where your team was deficient, what your players were, you're writing reports. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are spent on your team and the team you're getting ready to play. Thursday and Friday, you spend a lot of that time studying college players, not necessarily traveling because it's to me, it's ridiculous to get in an airplane and fly to Texas A&M and, and get to College Station when you got every single Texas A&M game on your desk at your fingertips. Watch the tape, spend Thursday and Friday really studying the college game, go to practice every single day, watch practice tape, make sure you understand what player 40 to 60 is doing on your roster. That's what you got it. That's what you're worried about the, the next year's team. So you're working on that constantly. And then Saturday and Sunday, you get ready to play the game. How much interaction is there um, on a variety of things, I guess, between a general manager and a head coach during the week about how the team plays? To- well, I, I think there should be a lot. I think there should be a lot of conversations about how to play complementary football. What do we have to do to win the game this week? What do we have to do? We might have to throw it 50 times. We might have to run it 25 times. How are we going to play the game? What are their strengths and weaknesses, and how do we match up? And how can we improve our team to where we no longer have a deficiency? You know, Walsh used to say all the time, the best time to add players is during when nobody's looking for players. In March and April, everybody wants to improve their roster. In September and October, everybody's content with their roster. So you've got to constantly have a coach who's willing to adapt and be creative in season. 
Mike, I appreciate it, man. This is a lot of fun for me. I love your shows. I do. I, I watch them and I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. And thanks, I'm gonna thanks so much, you know, Dan. I appreciate you anytime. Thank you, sir. You got it. You got it. That's Mike Lombardi right here. Uh, you can follow Mike at Lombardi NFL. You can follow the GM Shuffle. He's just great stuff, man. I could go hours with guys like that. Guys that don't just tell you what you think you saw. Like, you you know, I, I get it. You get popular by being, oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know how you get popular. Hell, I'm not popular. But long story short, um, I love talking to smart people. I do. I'm sorry. I love talking to smart people. And Mike Lombardi is one of the smartest dudes there is. 35 years, 35 years of NFL experience. The Lombardi line, you can catch it on Vison. He's terrific. Um, we're going to have, we got a new segment, deep fakes. <laughs> That's right. Is it real or is it fake? Uh, I'm going to say it's real. It's fake. I don't know. I can't get over Lori Lightfoot. I'm sorry. I just can't. I cannot get over the fact that last week you're saying F Clarence Thomas Take up arms. Let's go. And yesterday it was, well, you know, we need more civility. And people are actually defending this. People are actually defending this kind of stupidity. You know, one of the things about the Colts is the Colts, which is my town here in Indianapolis, it's so lauded. No prime positions drafted in six years. And in Indianapolis, we think this regime is great. Zero division titles in the easiest division in football. Sixth quarterback. Sixth. I know Andrew Luck quit. All right. Sixth quarterback. And nobody in the great city of Indianapolis ever criticized. Hell, we don't criticize the president. We call him a nice elderly gentleman. <laughs> God, I love having this show. Tell your friends. Tweet it out. Email it out. We'll be right back. We're coming back. New segment. Basically, deep fake. I faked. See what I did there? See how I held the ball? And I got to go like this with my hand to throw it, right? Don't you have to go? <laughs> we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right. You and I both that goes on that sometimes you don't know if it's real or whether it's fake. So we introduce a new segment. Is it real or is it fake? Uh, I can't wait. I got Dylan and Ryan in the back here. The boys in the back came up with some stuff. I have not seen these, just so you understand. I have not seen them. I don't know what they are. I didn't even look. I don't even know if I was supposed to look. Maybe I was. I don't know. But I did not even look. 
So, boys, what do we got? What do we got? What the hell's this guy doing? He's spinning around. Wait a second. Does this guy go flying? Spin, spin, spin. And the guy took off. That's fake. That's fake. Guy's not going flying like that. There's no way guy's going flying like that. No way. I had it all real until the guy just went flying. There's not a park in the world that'll let you go flying like that. So your final no answer way. is fake? My final answer is fake. Correct. That's did People could hear you, right? You went out on air? Yep, they got me. Yeah, one for one, baby. Look, I'm all for all that, but this is where you got to look. It's like the guy you play golf with that hits a ball in, you know, off the fairway, and he puts his head down, and the ball keeps bouncing. Next thing you know, he's like, hey, where'd my ball go? I go, dumbass, you didn't look. You got to keep looking, because when that dude went flying, no chance there's an amusement park in the country that's letting you do that. What's next? Oh, I'm on one. I love this. Let's go. (laughs) Ah, man, I got to see that again. Yeah, Evan Longoria, that's real. I think that's real. I can't imagine why that's real. It doesn't look real. It might not be real, but... um, Catch the ball barehanded. Evan Longoria makes a crazy barehanded catch right before it hits a reporter. Uh, I'm going to say that's real. I feel like I've seen that somewhere before, boys. What is it? My final answer. I have to answer. give you the buzzer there. That, one's, that one is fake, but it looks very real. It does look real. But, Ron, uh, Dylan, you know, you're absolutely right. There's, and you know why I almost said? Because his head was this way, and he turned at just the right time. He didn't – that's dumb by me. I'm going to be better. Hey, this is the first time. All right. All right. Let's go to the next one. Got a shark swimming off the edge of the beach here, real or fake. An albino shark, mind you. An albino shark. I wish I could look up albino sharks. God, I think that's fake, but I'm going to say, why isn't that real? Maybe an albino shark got lost. I don't know. Uh, I think I saw this, and I think they said this was fake. My final answer, that's fake. Fake. Going to have to give you the buzzer again. That one is real. Why wouldn't that be real? I'm one for three. One and two on the day. Why wouldn't that be real? That should be real. There's no reason that's not real. Why can't a shark just be in the water? Yeah, all right. All right. All right. I like this. I could do this for a while. How many we got? I wish we had like 20 of these because these are pretty damn good. All right, I'm one for two. Hang on. I got to go to the YouTube chat and see if anybody actually is getting these right or wrong with me. 
because I'm not happy with myself right now. All right, give me the next one. Chat's been pretty split so far. Up next, we got a classic one. All right, I can't see that on the monitor. That's fake. That's fake. And people, I, I know this one. I know people said that Tom Brady uh, did that, and then it came out later that that bad boy was fake. There is no, I love Tom Brady. I'm a big Tom Brady fan. Hell, we're all Tom Brady fans, aren't we? But I'm not buying that ball going in there and popping right back to him. There is no chance in hell. In fact, when I first saw this, I thought it was real. And then all of a sudden, uh, I saw, well, wait a second. All right, so guys are two for three on here. Uh, LaShawn, Wa- LaShawn Walston says that's real from the GOAT. That is not real. Jennifer says fake. I say fake. What say you guys? Is that fake? You know Jennifer's always correct, and you are on this one too. That one is fake. But he is the GOAT. Yeah. yeah. He's the GOAT. I'll give you the GOAT. Do I think he could do that? Yeah, he probably could do that. But I remember seeing that. And as I said, I'm like, wow. And because it looks real. But Brady's got more money than God, right? He could pay, and I'm sure he does, people to make all these little videos for him. So Dave Renard says fake, and I'm not even a Brady fan. The cash man says next you're going to say deflated footballs. Yeah, he did. And he got four games for it, cheater. We got another one? This is kind of fun. Got one more here, real or fake? I got to get that on the big screen. All right, let's bring this back here. That is real. I mean, look, as a man that believes in the prowess of athletic women, this is not only real, this is an average day for this young lady. Look, when you watch softball, that's what they do. That's what they do in softball. Left fielders go over the fence. Mommies and daddies are out there in the outfield. This is real, Dylan, and if you tell me it's not real, I'm going to throw something at Fritz versus Nadal on my TV because that's real. That's how women go about the business of softball. That's why I love the sport. That's why I can't wait to go back to Boston this this, uh, fall and watch fall softball at Harvard and then spring softball and then watch it again on the College Women's World Series, the Women's College World Series, whatever the hell it's called. That's real because women's softball players are studs. Final answer. It is real, and I think it was a top play, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's pretty good. I wish you had about 10 more. That's really got good. Actually, one more late edition from oh. Ryan here. All right, late edition. Let's see. No, come on. Dude got hit in the face? Now, 
Not a chance. No chance. That is absolutely fake. That is done via however you do stuff. That is 1,000,000% fake. Don't at me. Don't try me. There's nobody putting first off. If you'd have said, I thought what was going to happen was the darts were going to go between the guy's fingers, you know, boom, 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 that kind of thing. But they hit the guy in the head and he doesn't flinch. That's fake. What do you got? The official answer from tech guy, Ryan, is I don't know. So we'll give you half a point for that one. How do you not know? Why do we? <laughs> what did he do? He just he just found something like we're, I just we're not found sure if this. the guy's still alive. The guy got the guy. Hey, hey pal, pal, you, you got a dart in your head. Hey, yo, you with the hair. You got a dart in your head. Take the dart out. Or maybe you don't take the dart out. I don't know. But uh, I tell you, it did look like that Cremo kid, didn't it? I mean, honest to God, I agree. Dave Renard said it did look like Cremo. It did. It really did. It looked like that. I'm not going to swear on our show, but that freaking idiot. It did look like him. Uh, I don't know whether that's him or not, but I don't think it's not that Cremo kid, is it? That wasn't that Cremo kid, was it, Ryan? Don't think so. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Oh, I didn't hear a count in. I'm back on. Yay. How is everyone? Sorry about that. It is Don't At Me. We had a little technical problems. I want to thank the YouTube chat. For pointing them out, uh, Dylan and Ryan got them fixed as we as we move along. What a day it has been. We introduced our new segment, which is, of course, deep fakes. Um, let's go through a couple of things. You know, Mike Lombardi said something interesting. And maybe I'm going to do a segment on who is above being criticized. Patrick Mahomes, when I watched Patrick Mahomes last year play football, I thought to myself, he's really good. Like, he's really good, but he's not as good as he was. And I'm fascinated by that. Remember I told you about Josh Allen. Remember I told you that Josh Allen, in my opinion, when I saw his starstruck eyes playing golf with Rodgers, playing golf with Mahomes, and playing golf with Tom Brady, when I saw his starstruck eyes, I thought to myself, this guy's not really exactly ready, and a lot of you criticized me for that, which is cool. We're going to see. But again, think about this, and we're going to get into this as um, we go through. When you are in the AFC, you got to go through, let's just take, for example, in your own division, you got to go through the New England Patriots. Now, that may not be that big a deal, but you do. If you're the Buffalo Bills, you got to go through the Patriots. You got to go through the Bengals. You got to go through, I don't think the Browns are that big an issue, but I'll take uh, as... As Mike Lombardi said, I'll take Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. I love watching Mike Tomlin and the Steelers take on John Harbaugh and the Ravens. If you have a healthy Lamar Jackson back, well, you got to go through that. Then, of course, you know, what's Justin Herbert doing out in San Diego? He's playing his brains out. And, of course, I already mentioned Mahomes. I mean, look, Denver, Russell Wilson. I don't know if Indianapolis is going to be better with Matt Ryan, but I totally agree with Mike Lombardi. When you look at the AFC, my God, 
What a gauntlet. And if you're not the toughest of the tough, and if you don't get lucky, I'm telling you, people get so mad at me when I say this, but luck factors in. Luck factors in big time. I'm not saying it's lucky or it's unlucky. I'm not saying it's skill or it's not skill. But when that kid playing center field for the San Francisco 49ers dart dropped that pass with under 10 minutes to go and a 10-point lead, it changed the entire NFL narrative. Not the NFL per se. The NFL would still be rocking and rolling, but it changed the narrative. I want you to think about this. Do you think Matt Stafford would be doing commercials if they hadn't won the Super Bowl? Do you think if they hadn't gotten to the Super Bowl, Matt Stafford would be doing commercials? Do you think Matt Stafford would now be a hero? Where would Aaron Donald be? All-time great, can't get a ring. What would Jimmy Garoppolo be doing right now? I don't know if he would have won the Super Bowl. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe they beat Cincinnati. Maybe they don't. But let's say they get there. Now you're talking about two Super Bowls for Jimmy Garoppolo? Woo! What about that backup there? Trey Lance. What about him? Where would he be right now? Would Trey Lance be in a position to be the starter if that ball had been caught, how are you going to sit somebody that took your team to not one but two Super Bowls? How are you going to do that? I don't know. The whole narrative of the league would change. Remember the building during the season, Von Miller coming? Remember Von Miller came over and he joined OBJ. OBJ came over in the middle. Jalen Ramsey was brought in as a free agent. Man, oh man, Matt Stafford, trade. You know what? Let's build for now. Tom Brady showed the way, and now the Rams did it. Would it have all changed? It is fascinating to me, and it's not just basketball. It's not, it's, or excuse me, it's not just football. It's every sport. You know what makes locals mad and tell me, you know nothing? When I say, you know what's luck? Not all luck, but some luck. You know what's some luck? The Indianapolis 500 winner. Every year, yes, you got to have a great car. Yes, you got to be a fantastic driver. Yes, you got to have a fuel strategy. But so often, luck plays into that fuel strategy. So often, luck plays into everything that you do. Now, I'm not saying it was luck or not luck that the kid dart dropped the football. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that the fact that he did, the Rams got lucky. Let's put it that way. And I mean lucky. They got luck, period. And if you don't think so, you're not paying attention. A big league NFL safety should be able to catch a ball with nobody around him in the middle of the field. 99.9999999999% of the time. He just should. I'm sorry. He just should. Luck factors in big time. All right, last thing. I hate this for Brittany Griner, and I'm going to keep saying this, but I also, I got to tell you, you can't be blaming the president. I said it earlier in the show, and I'll say it again. You can't be blaming anybody but yourself. 
You ask for help, which is what she did. I think people should be louder in trying to get her out. Is it going to matter? Of course not. Me doing this show talking about Brittany Griner or ESPN or OutKick or any of us talking about it isn't going to make a big difference to Vladimir Putin. Putin knows what he's got in there. He also knows, and this is where I differ with people, he also knows that there is absolutely no reason to fear the United States. There's absolutely no reason to respect the United States in his mind. I'm not saying there isn't for me or us. Of course there is. But when you're over there and you give billions, not millions, billions to your enemy, if you're Vladimir Putin, you're like, yeah, what can I do to harm you? Now, I'm not saying Brittany Griner in jail is a harm to the American people, but it really kind of is. I mean, it's kind of an insult. It's kind of a sign of weakness. I mean, I, look, I get it. There are other more important detainees. I can only talk about the one that I really know about. I wonder if Brittany Griner actually did anything wrong. I wonder if she wasn't targeted. And if she did something wrong, of course she was stupid for doing it. Of course Russia has rules that are different from the United States. I get all that. But I got to tell you, voting matters, man. It really does. And if you don't know it by now, if you vote for weakness or if you vote for politicians that say the same old thing and they put their hands like this, or if you vote for incompetence or if you vote for folks that don't have the best interests of the country in mind, then you're making a mistake. And Brittany Griner is learning a horrible lesson. You know, she's learned about the value of being in America, I would assume, and the freedom that that provides. She has to have learned that. And look, I am talking about Brittany Griner for the umpteenth time because, look, I, that could be your kid. That could be my kid that makes a dumbass mistake. It could be. Or even if she didn't make a mistake, that makes it even worse. Again, I'm sure there are more people. I'm sure that Biden got somebody out. I'm sure of all of this. I'm sure Trump did something bad because there's never just a conversation about this particular issue. The whataboutism always is in play, and we know this. But in this particular case, Brittany Griner, honest to God, voting matters, because I do believe Donald Trump would have gotten Brittany Griner out. Last thing, I'm so happy to see Joy Reid's ratings being so horribly bad. I'm so happy when racist people do poorly. I'm so happy about it. I am. And Joy Reid, who if you don't even know, I guess she's on a show on some network. And she's off. MSNBC. On NMSNBC, her racist rants failed to register in the top 20. They thought at MSNBC, Joy Reid was going to be a needle mover. Instead, she's a clown racist that spews hate every chance she gets. Remember, she replaced Chris Wallace on MSNBC. She's an embarrassment. She's an embarrassment to that company. And if her ratings can only plummet, that would be awesome. 
She calls out Uncle Clarence as an Uncle Tom. She does so many horrendous things, and it's really, she's not even accurate. I love seeing shows like that going to crapper. Love it. Joy Reid, we know, is protected. You can say whatever she wants without consequence. The only consequence is if people don't watch. And speaking of that, I want to thank you for watching us. I want to thank you for sticking with us through the little glitch that we had. You folks on YouTube, thank you for joining us every day. Dylan and Ryan and Davey and everybody behind the scenes can't thank you enough for putting this show on. But mostly, viewers, thank you. If you didn't watch, we wouldn't have a show. And then you wouldn't see this greatness every morning. Tell your friends, tweet it out. Let's get it going. And again, I appreciate you. I'll be on noon to 3 today, 107.5 The Fan. Keep it right here all day if you would like. Tammy, Tommy Lauren is on in the evening. Of course, my friends at Outkick 360 are on at 3 o'clock Eastern time. I will be joining them around 4.20 or so. Have a wonderful afternoon, everybody. Enjoy, and thanks for watching. Out!